It is the APC podcast once again from AcmePackingCompany.com and SB Nation talking 3-0 and Green Bay Packers for as long as that is possible and relevant. Follow the show at the APC pod on Twitter. Like, subscribe, all that fun nonsense. I'm uh, Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter, dialing it in from my home office in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and in his home office slash spare room slash whatever you want to call it, it's Alex Patakis. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Doing well. Um, yeah, I don't have much to add to that. I'm, I'm in a good mood, as about as happy as I've been in a long time uh, as it relates to football. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this seemingly very good team. We uh, before the season started, we kind of mused: Is this season gonna feel real? We're we're three games in. We've watched a bunch of games on TV. What do you think? Is it feeling real? Is it still weird? A little of both. It's feeling pretty real. I also joke that it'll feel real if they win, and less real <laughs> if they lose. <laughs> um, so that that's certainly helping. But you know, I don't miss the fans on on TV. Um, if anything, I think the lack of fans has you know, provided some advantages that I think we're as, as by we, I mean the Packers, but that our team that we root for is uh, actually well-equipped to take advantage of particularly the hard count um, and a lot of the pre-snap communications. So, um, you know, it feels real also because there haven't been stoppages. Although I think I saw today that there were a number of positive um, COVID tests. I don't know if that's going to lead to any type of like, change up of the schedule. I don't think that uh, there's been any talk about that, but I believe like eight players across two teams or players and staff uh, tested positive. Oh, I missed that. I think, I think the Vikings were one of them. I got this notification like maybe an hour ago. Um, so if that stuff starts to happen and we start to see any type of cancellations or postponements, I think that will alter it. But so far it feels like week four of a, of an exciting football season. I, I always assumed that the first big outbreak slash any kind of, anything hinky going on would be uh, in Tampa Bay. Cause weren't they the team that had like that crazy MRSA outbreak years ago? <laughs> oh yeah. And you know, Florida, yeah. I think maybe the dolphins were the other team actually. Yeah. I, I'd have to go back. I shouldn't just be guessing, but um, yeah, I, uh, the, 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 the bucks, the dolphins, I guess the Jags, I mean, three teams down in that state where <laughs> things are getting wacky. It's swampy. Um, it's humid. I shouldn't laugh. MRSA is super serious. It's a it's a serious thing. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, um, none of that matters. What matters is Aaron's got his groove back. Hell yeah! Thirty-seven to thirty was the uh, the final score in New Orleans. And why don't we get right into it with our notable nuggets? Hashtag note nugs. After every game, tweet at us. Give us your bite-sized little chewable nugget coming out of this game. And uh, we didn't talk about uh, what we were covering. Do you want to go first? I'm going to go first. Who cares? Why don't you kick us off? All right. Well, I, I'm going to lean a little bit uh, negative in my note nug, just because sometimes I think we need a reality check. Um, mm. And I'm thinking of the play, what I'm now calling the play. Kamara makes, I believe, six guys miss on his way to the end zone. It was a clinic in like how not to try to contain and tackle a runner. And it might be the most vicariously embarrassed I've ever been as a spectator 
for my team, for the players on the field. Maybe that's hyperbole. I don't know. There are other plays that come to mind. But the point stands, um, this defense still can't really stop the run. It's not built that way. Um, You know, is this another season where we ride this wave of optimism all the way into the postseason only to have like a great backfield or some kind of shifty gadget player just embarrass the team on national TV? I hope not. I don't think so. And I hope not. And I know that, you know, Clark being out, for example, changes the defense. I'm just saying that moment gave me flashbacks on Sunday night and I didn't like those flashbacks. And I just wanted to state that for the record. I feel like this is a safe space. I can get my feelings out in the open and not be judged. And and um, we, we can be positive for the rest of the show now, green and gold glasses. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, flashbacks. I didn't like them. That particular play was so infuriating that I also had just a, a similar reaction where I was compelled to like text somebody about how furious I was, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure I sent that text to you. And we talked last week um, about how, you know, with 99.9 degrees of certainty, like Alvin Kamara would just tear up the Packers. Yep. There are the, the pack. I think the reason that play was so frustrating is like that's just something that feels like it consistently happens to the Packers, whereas like a rarity to everybody else, and it's always the obvious guy. Yeah. Um, you know, Bill Belichick is touted as the guy who takes away your greatest strength. The Packers are the team that just like lays down and lets your greatest strength like run rampant all over them. Um, and it felt like they were watching in awe of him instead of like actually trying to fucking prevent it from happening. And that was maddening. But damn, man. Yeah, that was like a clown show. Like what the hell <laughs> it was, was that? A cl- like cue the Benny Hill music. It was a little bit of a clown show. <laughs> And he just absolutely tore them up. Yeah. It didn't matter, but still, like, you can't feel great about just, like, how one-dimensional it feels like the Saints are without Michael Thomas, how Drew Brees doesn't throw down the field, and how it didn't even matter. That That's kind of concerning. Yeah. I'm going to skip ahead just a second to do a listener note nug, and it's the last negative thing, I promise, guys. We will be positive. We're happy about a 3-0 and team. But I wanted to shout out to uh, – Abe Froman, the Sausage King of Chicago, uh, on Twitter, <laughs> whose note nug is, everything I've seen through three games makes me think we'll lose in the NFC Championship game to a quarterback who only has to throw eight passes, LOL. <laughs> that's, you know, that's just, he's just alluding, I think, to the same flashbacks um, that, that I am. But I'm, I'm positive now. I'm, I'm going to be positive. I'm happy. Yeah. It was a great game. Well, <laughs> yes, yeah, okay. It, if, if I had to be positive, I would think it, it would be that uh, I think the big beast in the NFC this year uh, is not going to be a team with that profile. It's going to be a team more of with the profile of the Packers, like where Russell Wilson's just going to throw five touchdowns yeah. against us instead of <laughs> yeah. instead of Chris Carson running for uh, you know 250 yards against us. Anyway, um, I'll move on to my notable nugget. I will keep it positive, and it's going to be something that was pointed out on the broadcast, but it's kind of like a combo meal nugget thing. Um, it was pointed out on the broadcast that, and I know that Sunday night football makes like a huge effort to, uh, try to put all these like advanced stats in your face because of Collinsworth and the PFF relationship and all that. But, um, you know, it feels like the frustrating Packer offense of old and I, not just the McCarthy one, but even the LaFleur one of last year where Rogers doesn't release the ball very quickly. I, I think we can like safely, like put that to bed 
Uh, I feel confident that we're fully past that. And they, they showed something about the release time and what a drastic drop that is. I think that's pretty impressive when we're talking about a team um, that, you know, isn't necessarily like loaded with weapons, but still is extremely efficient at getting the ball out to the right guy. Um, and, and I don't know if like the offensive line has been as good because of that, or if it's just like this perfect combination of a better understanding of the offense, getting the ball out quicker two guys who can make some plays and the offensive line is blocking really well. Yeah. But the fact that like it once, I guess my nugget, if I had to like, you know, just condense it, it would just be the combination of Aaron Rodgers, you know, getting the ball out of his hands quickly and an offensive line that has, what are they allowed two sacks through three games? And the saints blitzed a lot yep. in that game, yep. um, quite a bit in that game, that combination of the line, keeping him clean and him already being more prone to get the ball out quick. That's like 2011 shit, man. Like that's, yeah. that is a recipe for success yeah. that makes me feel like we could see like some, some career best type numbers, or at least, you know, somewhere in that vicinity for, for Rogers. So that's just going to like be so fun to watch this year. Yeah. And on a related note, um, I, I almost went, uh, if I was going to go positive with my note, Nug, I was going to say, you know, despite all of the questions on the offensive line and a bit of shuffling around, um, the Saints have a, a really good pass rush. They bring the pressure. Um, they're usually pretty successful. It's a thing that they do well. And even still, um, I th- thought the offensive line held up pretty well. And Rodgers did a great job getting the ball out. And you know, we see the results. 37 points. Feels good. <laughs> Yeah, 37. The lowest uh, scoring total so far this season. I know, a lowly 37 points. Which is incredible. With the Falcons coming up next, like that, that that could be another 45 right there. So that's pretty, that's pretty exciting. Agreed. Um, Let's do some listener note nugs at the APC pod on Twitter is where you can tweet at us after the show with your notable nuggets. I'm just going to read some names because... um, I'm getting a lot of Big Bob love, and and I love yeah. it, but I can't read them all. But uh, shout out to Glenn, Steve, Jacob, Michael. That's four people in a row whose note nug was basically some version of of um, Timber. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is he like? Are we ready to big? F- Bob. Just wait for the curse word, and then you're good to go. <laughs> are we are we ready to crown him as tight end one? That that, that feels like it's edging, like coming. Yeah, I think more so. And more reality with each game. You know, I was actually ready to crown him as as tight end one after uh, we did an episode just before the season kicked off with Justice Mosqueda, and he, in all seriousness, was super stoked about Big Bob coming into the season, and he's just a guy that I, uh, Justice is a guy that I, I trust a lot with those things. So, I, you know, when you've got your your guy, and Tanyan is my guy, I, you, you can tend to be a little bit clouded in, in optimism, so I, I was never one to to get too publicly uh, excited about him as a possible tight end one. But when someone like Justice Mosqueda says it's go time for this guy, I was like, yes, I'm on board tight end one. Let's do it. And through three games, seems like it to me. Yeah. Well, he's the talking point at tight end off of a game where Sternberger had like a, a decent comeback. Yeah. game. I guess he just didn't, he sucked less. He didn't suck at all actually, where he played pretty well. And Mercedes Lewis made a really nice 
uh, scoring uh, grab. So that's that's something, right? Yep. Tanyan's still the guy we're talking about. Yep. One last note, Nug, I, I wanted to read uh, from Molly, because this one we can do a little bit of a back and forth on, but uh, she says, honestly, would love to hear a deep dive into how Rodgers has been so incredibly chill and relaxed and happy in all of his media availabilities this year. It's just so fun to see. We talked a little bit about this last year in terms of he actually came out and said, like, the game is fun again. Football is is fun again. But this year, I mean, he got sacked and he got up smiling. I don't remember the last time I, I saw that. And then certainly in post-game interviews and now he's doing that stuff with Pat McAfee. He just seems like really at ease. Yeah. Back to the good old days, right? Weekly uh, radio show. More, more profanity on this particular radio show than in <laughs> years past. Yeah. Fine with me. Um, you know, just... Oh, it's easy to be happy when you get sacked, but it happens, uh, you know, once in a blue moon, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that he was rejuvenated with the floor last year, but there was still some frustrations in the performance level. Now the rejuvenation from like a, you know, locker room slash culture standpoint is being married with uh rejuvenation of him, you know, like his, his numbers, him being back in an MVP conversation, like all of those things. That, you know, it just that that is like it's so refreshing um, because I, I because I think it will last and I think it will just usher in like this like wonderful golden age of Rogers football or in his golden years. I don't mean go like, you know, I don't know if we'll ever see sustained dominance like we did. But if these are his last few seasons here, they're going to be good ones. Yeah. And I think he's realized that and maybe even like part of his acceptance that. He can't like control what they do in the draft and that he basically sounded resigned in the off season to not finishing his career here. Maybe like that weird, I don't know if that creates pressure in any way, but I don't know. Like, don't you think to some degree, like he, the Packers already like played their hand with the the future of the quarterback position. Now he doesn't have to worry about it. I don't know. That, that, that maybe is like digging way too deep. Yeah. Uh, talking about a deep dive. Well, it, it also might be a little bit reductive in so far as, and, and we've touched on this a little bit, but, um, you know, love has to be good. They have to see something from him in order to truly feel comfortable, uh, making that, making that transition. And, you know, maybe through the scout team and, um, just sort of those reps that we don't get to see, maybe they will see something the same way that Andrew Brandt tells the story about the the first pass he saw Rogers complete in training camp was a 60 yard bomb to driver. And he connected eyes, uh, Brandt connected eyes with Ted Thompson and they shared this look like, Oh yeah, we're good. Like maybe they have that moment with, with Jordan love. We, we don't know, but he's gotta be, he's gotta be good. So that's, you know, the missing piece of the puzzle there, of course. Yeah. Maybe Rogers is really happy because he feels like they've fixed so many other areas of the team that they have nothing left to draft but a receiver next year. <laughs> because they're, everyone has just been so much better than we thought. Yeah. Um, and all of our fullbacks and tight ends are just like contributing in such a big way that we could only add a luxury that is a, a receiver. Indeed. One last one one last thing here, a, a mini nug that I'll use to uh, transition into a, a bit of a topic. But John Ramos with his note nug says Lafleur is a monster. That touchdown play 
on the on the uh, on the one in the fourth was beautiful and I just wanted first of all an excuse to play our Lafleur sounder you don't have your French flag on that desk do you <laughs> it's gone the look uh, on your it's face somewhere but it's not right here you looked so you looked legitimately frustrated that you couldn't find the flag so I just wanted firstly to give a shout out to Lafleur who um, is turning into one hell of a play caller and it is really really fun to watch but the second part of uh john's um john's tweet is five and oh without adams now and and that made me think you know the packers are five and oh in the matt lafleur era playing without Devonte adams um alex can you square that circle of like adams is a top five receiver and yet they're undefeated without him is that just lafleur is awesome or what's going on there yeah, I think I think a large part of it has to be a credit to the floor um, because he's he's basically been everything that we wanted, which is crazy to say. I mean, a third uh, a 16 and three record is ridiculous. Um, and having, you know, two for two years in a row missing what feels like your only legitimate, like real threat that the defense has to worry about at wide receiver and still being able to produce yeah. is, was exceptional, I think. And I, and I think the credit, yeah, it goes to LaFleur, the way he uses what feels like the whole roster, like at his disposal. Um, he uses, obviously, Aaron Jones, Williams, Irvin, uh, all of the tight ends, you know, seemingly all the receivers for the most part. Like, he, you just feel like he uses the whole Buffalo, you know? It's like he's, he's really <laughs> just, like, maximizing – uh, everything they have. He's aggressive on third down, on fourth down opportunity. One of the most aggressive coaches in the NFL. He's basically everything you could have asked for if you were like back when you knew McCarthy was out and you were like, I need a modern day 2020 NFL head coach. He's all of those things. And I think all of those types of coaches can overcome an injury like Adams for the most part. Yeah. You know, the 49ers at no point last year where some team you know, that, that that was boasting this inflated receiving core. And they realized they had to win with their running backs. And they made the most of it with their running backs and their tight end. Yep. Um, like, however you got to get it done, you get it done. And LaFleur has done that so far. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's anything about, like, Devontae Adams. I still think he's extremely important while simultaneously believing that this team could beat most teams in the NFL without him. I think you could share both of those thoughts, right? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Man, also, the Shanahan coaching tree, man. WTF. <laughs> yeah, for real. It's legit. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 just good to have one of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I was like, can't be critical. I like don't I don't I don't know what to what to do with myself. <laughs> What to do with myself. Uh, speaking of legit, one more topic here as we move on. There was an article posted today at acmepackingcompany.com. We invite everyone to log on and check that out by our buddy Ryan Arcon14 on the blog titled, The Packers are a tier one team and Aaron Rodgers is the reason why. Um, it's a it's a fun article. It's a good read. Go into uh, a bunch of stats as Ryan is wont to do. Uh, really compelling stuff, but really just generally on the narrative side, as we do here on our show, um, are the Packers a tier one team? Obviously, Ryan thinks so, but 
just kind of wanted to talk generally about that idea of tiers. And I know we're three games in, but I'll first I'll pose this question to you. I, I guess Alex, you know, we're th- we're three games in. Who are the tier one teams? Let's let's leave the Packers out. Who else is in tier one? Whatever that means to you. Uh, great question. Well, I cheated a little bit because I read the piece, and I know on a lot of these graphs, there's another team that is hovering around the Packers are, if not higher. Uh, I think the Seahawks are a tier one team. Yep, um, I agree. I think Russell Wilson. I think you know multiple five touchdown games. It, he's going to be enough to mask their flaws most of the year. Yep. Um, I don't, this, this is going to bite me in the ass in January, but I just don't know if the 49ers are a tier one team right now. Yeah. <laughs> and they have been really severely bitten by an injury bug um, that I think can change the complexion of their season. I would put the Chiefs there. I know they had a bad loss, um, but what they did to the Ravens on Monday Night Football makes me think that they are still, you know, Super Bowl contender, Super Bowl favorite in the AFC. I'd put them there. I'm struggling to find other teams that I really think I would lump in there, though. Can I Um, I give you one more that that is like a, a cusp maybe on my list, and that's the Steelers? Oh yeah, well they're three and zero, right? They're three and zero, and I mean their defense is really good. And if you know, if Ben Roethlisberger is going to be, um, you know, better than Duck Hodges, <laughs> then they're like a deep run playoff team. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And now, um, you know, as crazy as it is, like one slip up, and I'm not, you know, I'm not writing the Ravens off by any means, but, um, you know the. That's going to be an interesting battle for the division title. Yeah, and if Pittsburgh wins the AFC North, it'd be hard not to not to think of them as a <clears throat> you know a, a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I think those are the only teams really. I mean, the Bears are a fake three and zero. I'm trying to think of other three and zero teams. Um, I, they're 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 three and zero, but I can't like ever consider them a real threat. Yeah, well, let's pause right there on the Bears because they're three and zero. But now, so now they make the switch to Nick Foles. I think they made that switch officially, um, which is is kind of a no brainer. But Nick Foles basically inherits two wins, um, and I don't know. I just feel like maybe they could. I'm not saying they're not a tier one team. I think, but a lot of Packer fans are quick to just say, "Oh, these guys are are frauds and they're going to blow it," but. You know, if can Nick Foles throw together three or four wins over the next couple of weeks, and then if they do, they're undefeated or very close to undefeated, and then they're super frisky. I don't know. I'm not not worried about the Bears right now, and and I hope that I can eat those words later. But I don't I don't know. I also haven't watched them very much, so maybe it's an ignorant opinion. Yeah, I haven't either. I'm not okay. I'm not writing them off. I just don't think. I think even without watching them much. If they were a tier one team, you'd know. Um, I think Nick Foles is like one of the guys you can't write off because he's he's just done it at a level yeah. that, you know, like he's he's done the whole like I can just win us a game to the highest level that you could possibly do it in the sport, right? Yep. <laughs> like so we'd be dumb to just say that they're, you know, eventually that the wheels are gonna come off at some point. But tier one I think you have to establish a little bit of dominance. And I don't really feel like that they've done that. Whereas the Packers, I think, I guess it was a one score win in new Orleans, but it felt like almost a blowout towards the end. Yeah. Um, and then 40, you know, 40 plus points in your first 
two games and what feels like they're just rolling. And then what the Seahawks did, right? Like um, just the ridiculous numbers that they put up and like the way they can just score at any point in massive plays with Lockett and Metcalf. Like it's just a different animal to me. They're, the Bears are, might be like solidly tier two. I think at three and zero so far, you have to you have to put them there. Yeah, I would. I mean, I'm still I'm still again I'm not making the case for them being an, an elite team. I would put them right now, and we're only three weeks in at that cusp tier three, tier two team. But again, like if that's a, if if you are on that cusp and you can string together like I don't know nine wins in a season, you can you know ruin someone else's season in the postseason. It happens. I feel like every year. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, And I I could definitely see that happening. Um, I don't know where we'd put the, I guess the rest of the NFC West, I would say is tier two. Yeah. Um, Which, right. Like I would put the Niners tier two for now. The Cardinals probably. Um, Rams. That, I mean, that division is just, we've said, we said it last year. Like we knew for years that that division was about to become just an absolute, like, gauntlet yeah. and it it really is now which is going to help the packers as well because you know they're it, those teams are going to beat up on each other and the likelihood of maybe 13 and 3 you know winning you home field advantage is 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 higher yeah um right so we're you know last year i feel like that division is what we almost every year think the nfc north is going to be it's just like oh it's just going to be tight these just good teams it's crowded there everyone's going to beat up on each other and then um you know you get halfway through the season and two teams are clearly sinking to the bottom <laughs> yeah so we'll yeah see. maybe that will happen again yeah. but i actually i love rooting for uh the cardinals for now they're a fun team to watch yeah. so I, I want to see them be in that category with uh with the others and the Rams maybe could be back. Maybe it was a blip in the radar for, for McVay. Yep. Um, Cause they've been having some success. So. Yep. Uh, really quickly again, just a shout out to uh, Ryan with that piece on the blog. Encourage everyone to go read that. The Packers are a tier one team and Rogers is the reason why up at Acme packing And I think, uh, I think that's going to do it here until we, uh, until we, preview preview the falcons what do you think that sounds good all right let's hit that the sounds poker. good to me that is gonna do it for us for a couple days here we're gonna be back on friday to preview the matchup against the falcons as i just said on monday night football with sb nation's gina thomas kelly uh, please consider giving us a rating in apple podcasts if patreon is your thing you can go there too. patreon.com slash note nugs n-o-t-e-n-u-g-s all right guys until next time Go Pat Go, keep your stick on the ice.